Hi, I'm Mike Sklenz, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, Episode 95, Mother Mother. We've got two segments for you this week. First up is a discussion of digital game pricing with JP, Nick, and Alex. And in our second segment, myself, Scott, Andy, and Patrick talk about games we've been playing recently. Enjoy the episode. This segment on digital games pricing. I'm Nicholas Bray and I'm here with JP Corbin. Hello. And Alex Kalafi. Hey guys. Okay guys, so this discussion was sort of brought on by some of the uh, talks surrounding the price of Earthbound on the virtual console recently. And uh, so I just wanted to talk a bit about the different pricing structures and what our general thoughts are on the prices of Nintendo games online. So, uh, JP, uh, do you want to start with some of your general buying habits in regards to the digital mm-hmm. storefronts? Yeah, um, uh, at least when it comes to Nintendo and also most other places, but especially with Nintendo, uh, for the last almost a year, really, since they started doing it, I have almost exclusively bought games digitally from on Nintendo platforms. Right, and uh, Alex, what's your um, buying habits like? Well, uh, I am one of those guys who doesn't have a problem with digital games, but when I can, I always prefer getting a physical copy. Like with Animal Crossing, even though it's one of my favorite Nintendo series, I couldn't get it at midnight, no matter how much my heart told me I wanted to. I really wanted to get a physical copy. But when it's yep. with smaller games, like let's say Runner 2 or whatever, I have no problem getting that the first day out. Well, you don't have a choice in that one either, really. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, um, this, I'm the same. The only place where I really differ on this is with VC games, which I'm sure we'll obviously talk about soon. But mm-hmm. uh, it's sometimes tough to justify those purchases. So uh, you guys don't have a problem with paying the same price as a physical release um, as for the digital release like on new games? Like, I know you don't buy um, new digital releases, Alex, but JP does. So Yeah, I mean, like for me, it would have to be substantially cheaper for me to even consider buying a physical copy. I really like having all my games in one place, having the convenience of that, having everything, you know, organized that way yeah uh so i mean it would like i i'm willing to pay more for the digital copy than the physical copy i mean the physical copy would have to be a lot cheaper for me to really consider it yeah i was i was very close to getting the digital uh animal crossing but in the end uh i ended up getting a physical copy of the um wasn't really any reason other than uh my girlfriend actually ended up buying it for me, uh, and I had bought her copy like a few weeks before that. So, I think but, um, my uh, I think my biggest problem with purchasing full digital games on Nintendo systems because on my Vita I have no problem getting a game the first day digital because I feel some some sort of security. My PSN, I know that I have full access to those games regardless of what happens to my PS3 or Vita with Nintendo. Because there's no real account structure, 
it's going to be a pain in the ass to have any security with any digital games I buy until they can set something up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, I can see that criticism. I understand where people are coming from with that. But it's like, it's like buying on the eShop isn't as secure as, as say, PSN or Xbox Live or Steam or something. And it should be. I mean, like, they should be working toward an account system. But I would say it's no less secure than having a physical copy. Because, you know, you could something could happen to your system and, and that would be bad. Or something could happen to the games that you own that are physical games and that would be bad. So I, I don't think it's that much more secure to, to buy a physical copy. I mean, yeah, yeah, like PSN, Xbox, you know, Steam, that's more secure because you can just download that again whenever. But I don't I don't see it as, as much of a difference uh, when you're talking in relation to physical copies. Well, no, it's definitely valid in a sense, but I have to disagree to an extent because let's say I lose my 3DS and I have a copy of Animal Crossing in it. I lose that copy of Animal Crossing, that physical copy. You're absolutely right, and in that sense, there's no difference if I buy the digital version. However, if I have 25 digital games on my 3DS, I lose all of those at the exact same time, while if I have 25 physical copies, I only lose one copy of a game I own. Yeah, you, you, you lose what you have with you or with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean... I, I just think it's a little bit safer, at least in my personal opinion. It's a little bit, but it's not, you know, it's 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 not nearly as safe as, you know, what you're talking about with PSN. Yeah, on my Vita and PS3 and stuff, I buy a lot of stuff digitally, and it's nice to just, at any time, if, if something happened, I could just replace the system and re-download everything, which, I mean, Nintendo yeah. should be working toward. Definitely. Hey, uh, on in regards to the Wii U, JP, do you buy all of those digitally as well? Yes, I don't currently own a disc game for the Wii U. Okay, uh, one of the reasons I probably won't end up getting any digital games, um, well, retail digital games on the Wii U, is due to the like the file sizes. Uh, it would be take ages for me to get it. So that that's not a problem with you. Like you just put it um, on overnight or whatever. It doesn't take that long, and I mean, you can, I like with the Wii U, you can download stuff in the background, so I could just go play something else while, while the new game downloads, mm. um, and, you know, my internet connection's pretty decent, so it, it doesn't, it takes, you know, a few hours usually, but, right. I mean, I could do other things, I could play other Wii U games, so, I, it, that's not a huge issue for me. Okay, so... Alex, uh, would you be more likely to buy digital retail games if the price was $10 cheaper day one? Yes, but that $10 I don't think is comparable to the account system. Like, the account system is one thing I really need before I can start comfortably buying digital games. And that's just on a personal level. I have nothing against yeah. other people doing the same, but obviously, obviously... If something's ten dollars cheaper, I'm more apt to buy it than if it's ten dollars more expensive. Mm. Actually, okay, on that front, Nick, I just wanted to ask you quickly. So you yeah. live in Australia, right? Yep, yep. So games are obviously a bit more expensive there. So I was wondering if you're sort of turned off to the whole digital thing because obtaining physical copies, if you really need to, is generally probably going to be a bit less expensive, isn't it? 
Uh, it can be like a lot of the physical new releases on Nintendo or at over here at retail can launch at like you know a fair bit cheaper than the normal price. Like um, I think stuff like New Super Mario Brothers Two and um, Animal Crossing and stuff they they're coming out at forty eight dollars uh, instead of the retail price of like. 59 or 69 or something so yeah. buying those would be um yeah i can understand being yeah. reluctant to do it in that case now like i said given that scenario i would probably still buy the digital copy because i really want it to be digital and i'm actually willing to pay more for the digital copy if i have to but you know i, I can see that being a turn off to most people yeah and, um, you know, like all the digital games, like VC related, are a little more expensive as well than um, elsewhere in the world, I guess. Like the conversion's a bit, skews a bit higher or something. I think like VC. Earthbound, <laughs> Earthbound's oh, or, $13 yeah. here. I think VC is just such more a gray area as what's a fair price and what isn't compared to. Like if you're if in America, you either get New Super Mario Bros. U for sixty dollars digitally, or you get it for sixty dollars physically. But in on VC's case, getting a game for five dollars might not might be too much for some. Especially me, I'm I'm definitely in that camp. I I buy a fair few uh, virtual console games. Like I don't have a problem with spending nine dollars on uh, Link's Awakening or stuff like that. Like anything ten dollars you know, isn't really a big turn off to me. The only time I've sort of held off um, recently on buying a digital game from the eShop was with Harmo Knight. It's $20 and it's just like just crossed my threshold. Like if it was 15, I probably would have owned it already. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, with Virtual Console, I like what Nintendo's doing with the with the Game Boy games on on the 3DS virtual console where there's a variable pricing it, it may not be that variable but you know diff, you know games even on the same platform can come out for different prices and i mean maybe that's what they're starting with earthbound on the Wii U maybe we'll see games like cheaper than the old prices and if so then i applaud this decision because mm. you know there are games that you know like you know super metroid is absolutely worth $8 but there are a lot of games on the Super Nintendo that have been released on the Wii Virtual Console that would be kind of a ripoff at eight dollars, I would say. So hopefully they can they're they're using this as an opportunity to introduce a more varied price structure. But with the uh, with game quality, I I do like that you use game quality to determine how much a game is worth. That's definitely the right thing to do. I do wonder if. Well, I personally have trouble accepting the idea that Earthbound is a Super Nintendo game, which usually costs, what, $8? And they're charging $10 yes. just because. 
that kind of bothers me. Yes, it's an RPG. Yes, it's popular. It's supposedly amazing. And I've never personally played through it's it. It's incredibly it rare. I think that the the rarity of it is a big part of it for them. You can't buy that game for less than a hundred dollars as a cartridge. I mean, even even like a, a copy with no box or no manual, no anything is over a hundred dollars. And so, I, I think Nintendo's just taking this as an opportunity to, to say, well, if you want a copy of this, you're going to pay extra, even though it's a lot less than what you'd pay. As and and as opposed to sometimes like Super Mario Brothers on the NES, you're paying five dollars for that on the Virtual Console, even though you could probably get a cartridge of it for less than a dollar. So I mean, yeah. sometimes I mean, you, you, sometimes it's about game quality, but sometimes it's about you know relation to how much you would be paying physically. And Earthbound is kind of a special case. Right. No, you're a hundred percent right, but. Do you guys not think it's a tiny bit of a swindle that they're doing that? It's a swindle they can easily justify, but still a bit of a swindle to me. Like, I think it's a swindle if we don't also see games coming out for less than that. If they really, if they really go and, and, and really start to do variable pricing, if something, I, I can't think of something on the Super Nintendo off the top of my head, but going down to NES, something like Ice Climber, if that came out for $3 instead of $5... Well, then it's much more, I mean, it's still kind of a stretch for some people, but it's a much better deal. And if we started seeing things like that, then I can accept Earthbound being $10. See, yeah, I can accept Earthbound being like uh, more expensive. That's just what they've judged the market will be willing to pay for it. Oh, and um, it absolutely will. I mean, people have been demanding this game forever. People will pay. Exactly. People may not like it, but they will pay $10 for it. But I also agree with you. Uh, Pricing Earthbound higher than the average Super Nintendo game that they've established uh, hopefully will lead to them releasing games that are lower than the normal standard price. Um, like, you know, it'd be good to have some Super Nintendo games that are $6 or $5. Yeah. Uh, I, on the 3DS, I've bought a few Game Boy games that were a lot, like, a bit cheaper, like, three dollars fifty or four dollars or something the the low-end game boy games on, on i mean on the american eShop, the low-end game boy games are three dollars they're either like game yeah. boy games are three or four game boy color five and six you know it, it 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 you know depending on the game and i i think they should expand upon that and move that into the, the console virtuals console as well they do need to do that like with the nes games i think what they should do is just put out stuff like the Balloon Fight, Ice Climber, all those really early NES games, and just put them up there for two bucks. Like they're not going to lose too much off those titles, and it yeah. might entice people just to buy it because it's two dollars. Like, yeah, I mean, like I the, have the zero issue with paying five dollars for Super Mario Brothers three. Like that's an amazing game. No. That's worth five dollars to me. But there's a lot of stuff on the Virtual Console on the Wii that is not worth five dollars that should not be that expensive but then it, it comes down to like some games might be worth five dollars to some people but some aren't like the same game might be worth less to someone else like who, how does nintendo gauge that like do they just check out reviews and do some research it, yeah i mean I that's know. 
I don't know how they're going to do this. And honestly, I don't really expect them to do this to any real extent. I think they charged an extra couple bucks for Earthbound because of how much people wanted it. And they figured people would pay it. And, and I think people have paid it. I know I did. So, I, I you know, I, I, I think there's a good chance this is a one-time thing for Nintendo just because of the situation this is in. But I, I would really hope that they would would consider, you know, taking steps like we've talked about here. I think yeah. one thing I have a problem with, uh, with this whole VC thing, is that I'm not going to say, any of us pirate, I'm not going to say that, uh, I'm not even going to comment on the moral area of that, but the reality of the situation is, it's insanely easy to get a copy of Earthbound, a copy of Super Mario Brothers, for free in about 60 seconds if you want. Maybe five minutes if you look up any kind of tutorial online for how to do that. I'm not saying most of their audience is going to do that, but it's always a little bit problematic to me when they don't make any consideration for that and they just have this slightly cocky attitude of we're just going to price it at whatever we want regardless of the reality of the market. Well, I mean... Obviously, the virtual console is working for them. Obviously, people are buying these games, or else they wouldn't still be releasing them. You know, I think they sold a whole lot of copies of Super Mario Bros. 3 on the virtual console on the Wii. So I think there is a, definitely a, a large group of people who are willing to pay the money for these games, even though, yeah, you're right, you could go and, and download them in a couple of minutes and have every NES game ever made. And so... I think there are just some people who want to be legal, and I think I, I know myself. In, in you know, in addition to wanting to support Nintendo in this area, I like you know, especially now having things either on the on the 3DS where it's portable on, or on the Wii U with off TV playing, which is a functionality you don't get from emulators, you know, for most things. Uh, yeah. So I I like I like some of that that you really can't get anywhere else. No, they have the audience, and they have people buying these games, obviously, because VC's definitely a very popular service. But that's just, like, the reason why I don't do it. Because I'm not going to admit to doing any of this stuff, but I think it's Nintendo's job for if I'm going to buy any of these games, and if a lot of people are going to buy any of these games, they have to give me a good alternative to just downloading it for free. They have to give me features like off-TV play, which is sometimes enough for me, that I can't get anywhere else. And I don't think they do that too often. And I don't even think they're doing well, it enough right now. They're certainly doing a better job of it now. I mean, they've up... They've, yep. you know, I mean, they, the Wii U emulators they're using are more full-featured than the ones on the Wii. Now, still, it's stuff you could get piracy, but like stuff like save states, stuff like... You know, you can remap the buttons, which are so simple to do on, on like, PC emulators. But it's finally Nintendo's implementing that kind of stuff, too. And that, plus off-TV playing, plus the fact that games that Nintendo releases on the Virtual Console generally run exactly the way they're supposed to, exactly the way they did on the old consoles, with no bugs or glitches or anything that you will sometimes run into on PC emulators. To me, that's yeah. that's worth the money. Yeah, I was playing Kirby Superstar just last night and it looked it looks really good on the Wii U and on the gamepad and like I've played that game like years and years ago, like a decade ago on an emulator and it just it's just way better um playing it 
with this like setup on the Wii U, like um, it's much much better. It's worth the money. The emulation's perfect, so I don't really see why you'd want to like lower yourself down to emulating these games if you can get yeah. them on the Wii U. I mean, there's always going to be people who who play on emulators and who don't want to pay money for them. And I think Nintendo is kind of just of the attitude. There's like, well, those people are going to do that. And we're not, you know, no matter what they do, they're not going to be able to convert those people. So they're kind of ignoring them. And that seems to be working for them because, I mean, I think they're doing pretty well with the virtual console. So, I I mean, yeah, there are going to be people who emulate and... I, I think that's going to continue to be a viable option, but you know, as we've said, you know, there are benefits to doing it the the, the official legitimate way, and I think Nintendo's going to stick to that. And I don't know, like, how would Nintendo compete against that with like just without just trying to lower the price to a dollar a game for any game? Like, if yeah, you're I mean, going to think... lower all your prices down to such a low level, you're not really putting any value in the the game itself. I think that's what like Awada spoke about that with the race to the bottom pricing schemes that you know, like on the app stores, like Dollar Games and all those other digital services have super cheap games. But at that point, are you really um, pricing the game and taking into consideration the quality and you know, getting a fair price for your product. I mean, I think Nintendo's done a lot of market research as to what people are willing to pay for these games. You know, I don't think it's... I think Nintendo has said, well, we could lower the price. We could cut the prices in half, but they don't think the sales would match it so that they would make more money that way. I, 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 th- I don't think Nintendo came up with these prices out of thin air. I think they... I mean, they, they would have lowered them already if they weren't being effective. So I, I, I think... They know what they're doing here in terms of pricing, in terms of what people are willing to pay. I do think there are a lot of people, though. Like, I don't think it's just the people who are who will pirate everything just because they can, and the people who will do everything legally just because they can. I think there are a lot of people in the middle, and I was definitely this way in high school, where if I had the money and if it was appealing to me, I would spend the money. I don't want to do things illegally by default. If I have the choice, and if it's really convenient to me, I will spend money. Now, I used to download all my music and all my movies before the subscription thing started becoming popular, but now I don't download any music or any movies illegally. I pay for Music Unlimited, and I pay for Netflix. And I'm not saying that Nintendo Solution is exactly the same thing, or it's to do a subscription-based service, but that's just one example of uh, sort of waiting off piracy by making it really appealing to all those people who are in the middle. Yeah. And I think I would say that's a lot of people. I don't think that's a minority. They they want to make it so people, you know, like, so it's just a better experience. And I think, you know, to some people, I mean, it's like if if you if you have the hardware which is not easy, not hard to to find and it's 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 pretty easy to do if you know what you're doing but for some people just being able to play the games on TV is an improvement over playing emulators on their PC because th- yeah. i mean yeah you can hook a PC up to a TV but a lot of people don't do that so you know it's like they would they they find it simpler and to to not have to worry about you know configuring a, a third party controller or playing with a keypad a keyboard you know, I, I think for, you know, for a lot of people like us, emulation is a more 
viable option because we know how to do all those things and, and we could do it that way. Um, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, but the only way to make it more appealing to those kind of people is one, to add more features to the emulation, which Nintendo has done on the Wii U uh, and ideally they will continue to do. Uh, and there's also lowering the price. And like I said, I think, you know, you, Nintendo could probably cut the price in half on all these, on these games on the virtual console, but I think they would, they would argue that they would probably make less money doing that, that the, the extra sales wouldn't make up for the lower prices. So I, I, I don't know that there's, I, I think Nintendo could take steps to, to make things more appealing, but I don't know that there's that much they can do. What about um, you know how they released the uh, Earthbound guide online at the same time Earthbound went out? What if they had that as like an app for the Wii U? So it was like an extra download that came with the Earthbound game ROM. Like, what was if they started bundling with some of the higher profile games? They started bundling like little special features, like some nicely put together like uh, behind the scenes little. Um, interviews and text stuff like just like maybe like a few pages of something like it might get more people interested in downloading stuff like little bonus extras but that would definitely get me more interested yeah. well i mean with earthbound the the guide is i mean it's it's online but the the web page is designed with the wii u internet browser in mind i know that but like if you were just some guy that d just jumps on the Wii U like six months from now and decides mm -hmm. to download Earthbound, he probably won't realize that that's out there. Yeah, Nintendo needs to do a better job of letting people know these things are there. That's that's true, yeah. And I, I, I agree with you that you could do a lot of cool stuff that's, you know, whether it's releasing like concept art or, you know, original production materials and kind of stuff that that would be neat and f people would like to have yeah, as, as part of it. They could just scan some like early concept art, game art, early production like notes or something, and just throw that into a little uh, standalone app that comes with the ROM, and you can view it on your Wii U on the gamepad. I mean, I think I think the kind of people who are interested in older games like these are likely the kind of people who would be interested in in seeing, you know what came before what came what was behind them, what how they were made and and what was going on at the time i think yeah i think the audience is overlaps a lot there and so i mean i think this is stuff nintendo and the other companies probably have on hand they just have sitting there somewhere so i i think this would be a good way to encourage people to buy things mm. but would you um well mm. i think with the strategy guide it was a little disheartening to me to see that even though it was optimized for the wii u browser that it was relegated to a browser i know i don't know how viable this is but it would have been really nice and i would have probably even paid 12 dollars for it if they had that strategy guide like in the download itself if that was optional to keep in the bottom screen instead of having the off tv play well i mean you, you know with the wii u you can open the browser without leaving the game so you can you can switch back and forth between them so it works pretty well but i mean it would be nice to have it so you could be you know open simultaneously yeah i downloaded the uh, pdf mm -hmm. that nintendo europe has on their website so 
when I get around to it, I might throw it on a tablet or something and just have it next to me anyway. But yeah, um, yeah, like we we're saying, adding little bonuses and stuff, I think would be a good way to like justify the current prices more so for some people, but uh, at the same time, not rising them any higher. Yeah, I think, you know, especially something like that, which would be fairly cheap and easy to include. So I think that would be, a, yeah, a good way to get people more willing to pay that price. Okay, guys, I think we'll uh, wrap it up here. And uh, so any last words? I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of a complicated thing mm-hmm. to what the prices should be. And I, you know... I, I'm willing to pay them. Certainly, Alex, a lot of the time, isn't. So I guess just going to depend on the the person. Yeah. But with Nintendo, I think it's just a little different for me because I value my digital platforms just a little differently because with Nintendo, I don't have that security and things are priced a little more than I want. But on Steam, let's say a sale's going on, I'm bound to drop $60 on digital games that I probably wouldn't have even paid. I think other platforms like PSN and Steam do a great job of making me want to buy digital things. And I think the only things Nintendo the only thing Nintendo is doing is making the content available. And I don't think they're doing much else to uh, encourage me to pay them money. Yeah, I mean, I think Nintendo could look to them as an example of where they could go from here because they do a lot of interesting yeah. things. I think there's room to go up, definitely. Oh, certainly. Okay, well, thanks, guys, for coming on, and uh, we'll leave it there. Bye. Bye. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, today I'm with Mike Spuns. Hello. Patrick Barnett. Hi, everyone. And Andy Gergen. Hey, everyone. And uh, today we're going to be talking about games we've been playing recently. Uh, we haven't done one of these in a while, so we've kind of all got a little bit of a, a log of games to talk about, stuff that's come out real recently, stuff that came out months ago, um, and some stuff that's not on Nintendo platforms at all. So there'll be a little bit of everything, I think. Um... So let's start with something that just came out recently and that Mike, uh, myself, and Patrick have been playing, and that's Earthbound. Um, now, for my the... memory serves me right, um, you are a massive fan of this game, right, Scott? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm curious, what are what are your histories with this series at all, um, either of you? Have you guys played uh, the Earthbound Zero ROM that's floating around out there? Um, I haven't played the original Mother the, slash that, Earthbound Zero. Yeah, no, I haven't okay. played that. Um, I played, I got Earthbound when I was like 10 on my Super Nintendo. I mean, I, I got it when it came out. Um, and I still have my cartridge from when I was a kid with my, my save file from when I beat it when I was a kid, which is, it's funny to look at. And You're one of the lucky, like, what was it? 150,000 people who bought that game? Who actually bought it. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was, it I got, was on that, uh, game life piece earlier this week. That, that's all it sold, really? Yeah. Wow. I'm going to look crazy. it up again to be sure. It was on Wired, right? Yeah. I heard yeah. about that. I've been listening to podcasts all week, and each one is just telling stories of how they got this game when they were kids. And it was just like a story of walking into a Best Buy, and there'd be just a giant bargain bin of Earthbound sitting just. Well, yeah, because it came out in '95. Yeah, 150,000 copies. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it came out in '95, so within a year, you had like the launch of the N64. Uh, and stuff like that. So I, I remember that with a lot of Super Nintendo and, and Genesis games that at that like that turn, I mean, they were just trying to clear everything out and there was a lot of Earthbound. <laughs> I mean, it was a first party Nintendo game that just didn't didn't do very well. Um, but yeah, so, I, so I've always had it and always enjoyed it. I've, I've played the fan translation of Mother 3. Um, in fact, I mean, it, uh, Nate and I have talked about it before, but if it wasn't for that game, like I, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys right now. Uh, like the first time I ever decided to try podcasting was with some like one up community members. I was like, I want to play Mother Three and talk about it. I'll just find random people who want to do that too, and <laughs> I'll record a podcast and we'll talk about Mother Three. So that's how I met Nate, was just through one up doing that, and then a couple other people, and then from there I just kept doing little podcasts, and it eventually turned into this. So cool. I'm like the opposite. <clears throat> how how could it be the opposite? <laughs> so, um, I I have. Tried to play Earthbound a couple of times, like probably I think this is probably my fifth time, maybe fourth, trying to play Earthbound. This is the first time I've made it past Onet. Or is that how you say it, or is it want? I, I everyone kind of has. I say on it or I yeah, Onet. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Okay, hmm. I know it's one, two, three. So I thought maybe it should be want, but that doesn't sound right, and I've never heard anyone say that. No, yeah, I've always heard on it or yeah. Anyway, I, didn't even I realize can realize that one, two, three thing. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. they don't stick with it the whole way, unfortunately. But the first four cities are that way. Yeah, oh. huh. yeah. Um, but so I, I, I never made it past on it or Onet or whatever you're gonna say. Um, I it, the game is a fucking asshole to you, <laughs> like as as big of an asshole as it could possibly be. Like as soon as you turn it on, and it kind of it's getting less assholeish as I get through the game. Isn't that so weird? That does not leave a good first impression this time. I almost snapped my frigging gamepad in half this time because <laughs> I went through all this stuff like at the beginning of the game and then you finally get like control where you can actually walk around and start fighting enemies. I walk out, a crow attacks me like before I even get through the front fence of Ness's house. <laughs> Ness whiffs three times and <laughs> dies. <laughs> it, that is the first impression the game gave it. Gave me this time, and, was, and this is literally the worst it's ever been. And I, I, I almost wanted to give up immediately, but I spent ten goddamn dollars on it. <laughs> I, I noticed that in the opening hour or so, the enemies seem way more powerful than they need to be, and they oh, definitely they're so I rough. I might have died probably five or six times in that. Yeah. Hour. And I yeah. wrote that. I wrote that in my review for IGN, and um, I think it's like it's really weird that it's so difficult in the beginning. And you're right; like it gets easier as you progress. Like every time you get basically a new character, it becomes easier. Because there's like the damage is just dispersed, but when you're fighting just as Ness, like two or three characters at the same time, 
I mean, you have to heal like every other turn yeah. or you're just boned. I mean, like this isn't, it, it's really weird how stacked it is in terms of difficulty. In the and then beginning. you'll get in like one of the skate punks <laughs> and he keeps calling for fucking backup. Yeah. <laughs> so you and think, it takes yeah, me like three just... turns to kill him, which means he could in theory like <laughs> call three more dudes, though it doesn't succeed that often because the fail rates on the game are insane. You're always yeah. missing. The enemies are too, but god damn. I had an instance where the guy called in backup. I used my next attack. I missed. They both attacked, and they both had critical hits and wiped me out from full health. Yep. It was <laughs> blows my mind. Yeah, it's such a dickhead. <laughs> oh, it is. It's really. It's and really then ironically, bizarre. like you get to the first boss, you get to Frank, and you're like, oh, f- how am I gonna get through this? And he's like, he's not that hard. He goes down to like four rounds. Yeah, he isn't that hard. And then what you'll find, like playing the game, and I'm at near the end. I'm like at the very last part of the game again now. And I haven't done that in a while, but the bosses usually aren't that challenging, but the random enemies really are. (laughs) Like, even still late in the game, like, I'll fight random enemies that will use spells that will, like, automatically kill you, and, um, and I'll struggle with that, but then I'll get to a boss, and usually because it's just one on four, um, like, I'll have no problem whatsoever. It's it's really weird. Like, the balancing is, is definitely weird. Yeah, it's the only, the nice thing about this time playing it through is, I guess, well, every other time I've played it on an emulator, but... I, I'm just abusing save states this time. <laughs> well, yeah. how are you? How are you abusing them? Like, like you'll save state before every battle or something? Not before every battle, but like before, like, like I'll do a save state. Like as soon as I walk into a section of a dungeon, I'll save state there, and I'll get through that whole room, and then I'll save state again. Just because every now and then you'll just get into a battle where it's like I went into this battle thinking it would be no problem, and now it's game over. See, I, yeah. I don't think that's a huge problem though, because the the risk of dying isn't well the the risk is great but the uh punishment <laughs> for dying isn't that you lose bad. half your cash on hand and you have to pay how to much, revive how much all those motherfuckers you, that are dead well you just grab it from an atm right when you spawn again you spawn right next to an atm essentially so i never carry any money with me when i go anywhere yeah same i guess here. i should I, stop doing that <clears throat> yeah i don't carry any money i keep it all in the bank i'm not I just carrying take much out. if i am i'm carrying like Two or three hundred bucks, just like the change from what I bought at the what store. What you bought, yeah. See, when I buy something, I just immediately deposit the rest of. I guess the ATM's <laughs> right there at the store, so I really should just do that. Um, and then yeah, and then see, then I think dying is kind of rewarding in a way because then you have to go all the way through the dungeon again, and then you're leveling. So most likely, when you get back to whatever killed you, uh, you'll be like better prepared. See, if it. I want to grind, and I am grinding in this game, I'm just doing it on my own terms. Yeah, I don't want to bother with the fucking walking. <laughs> it gives me flashbacks of Zelda too, where it's like, "Oh, you died three times. Have fun walking for five minutes." <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it depends. Like, especially because in the game, you move slow, walk so slow. You do. The game what kind of forces look? you to grind as well because enemies are spawning all over the place whenever you R- walk right. anywhere. You, you walk like out, away from a screen, like like just barely, and then you come back and there's a whole new batch of enemies. Yeah. That's and nice like, though. You can use that to your advantage. If I I see that there's an enemy that I know is like kind of a pain in the ass and I don't really want to fight him, I just back up and then move forward and he's gone. <laughs> and he's usually gone. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then you know. It's kind of nice that the enemies are on screen, but that's kind of an illusion because you can't really like dodge them at all. No. Like if they see you, they charge you. <laughs> yeah, I no... mean they come they come straight at you. You can if they're on the very edge of the screen, you can maneuver your way around them. Yeah, but if if you're anywhere remotely near them, they're gonna they're gonna grab you unless you're yeah. so powerful that they run away, which, which is, is awesome. That's great because then you can try to chase them down and just whack. Give me an experience point. 
Yep, one hit kill. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that's such a cool idea that just I'm surprised hasn't popped up more in games. It, does that only happen when an enemy's so many levels underneath you? There, there's yeah. two ways it happens. It happens if an enemy's way lower than you, um, and it kind of like has a like a it must have like an algorithm it runs mm-hmm. where it's like it determines that more than likely all your characters um, will kill it in the first round before it gets a chance to attack. So even if you're stronger mm-hmm. than an enemy, but it's got really high speed, sometimes you'll still have to fight it. Because yeah. there's a because ch- it could still do damage to you, um, and then the other way is if you beat like the boss of a dungeon. As you walk back through the dungeon, all the enemies will run away from you, even oh, though okay. you you probably won't kill them in one hit, which is great because usually they're still worth a lot of experience. experience yeah. So you could still go get them. You get the bonus attack because they're running away from you, so you get like the green swirl, mm-hmm. and then usually it lets you automatically win because then it's doing the algorithm and saying, okay, well in two turns he would kill his enemy before he got a chance to attack. So it's a really good way to like level up as you're leaving a dungeon. When it first happened, I felt like maybe I was holding a button in or something like that, and it just auto ran the battle. For like me. it was a quick timer. Something. Yeah, like like it would deduct my health so much. That's what that, that auto fight mode because yeah. it's got that auto fight mode. I don't. I I did that once and I got a game <laughs> over using it because the I would I said oh well this guy's only got like two hits left I'll just put it on auto fight oh guess what he called for backup three times in the meantime and now I'm yeah. dead because I can't turn auto fight off. Yeah, don't don't That's do auto so fight. dumb. Why can't you cancel it? Don't do auto fight ever. <laughs> You're better off just mashing A a bunch. Like if I'm at the point where I wanted to auto fight something, guess what? It it does that for you because it it does that algorithm to determine if you're yep. going to win anyway. Yeah. So auto fight's kind of pointless. Yeah. Yep. Um. Eventually, way late in the game, um, Ness gets this like crazy bat that is like double the the damage he can do at that point, but it has horrible accuracy. Like if you actually get in a fight, you'll never hit. But because it has such a dam- high damage potential, that the enemies that are like that you should be fighting actually run away from you, and you can do like the one hit thing on them a lot. Um. But if you actually get in a fight, you'll find that Ness like never hits. But because of that algorithm, and it's part of the game, it's not like it's like. Like a glitch or something, or like you're exploiting. I mean, that's the idea. Is to the idea put that bat just to kind of like scare enemies off. So it's a though, bat that hits worse than a yo-yo. Yeah, which I is funny, right? Yo-yos quick because the uh, the items they don't really like show you their stats. I mean, like all you see is damage output. So like you don't really know that certain items hit less frequently than others. But you're right. You learn it quickly. Like yo-yos are terrible. Um, I'm trying to think. There's something else besides yo-yos, but yo-yos are, are really bad. Is it the slingshot? That's another early. Yes, item. yes. Okay. The slingshots. Yeah, the slingshots are really bad too. Um, like da- good damage, but they just yeah they hit less frequently. Um, the the bats and the frying pans are always the best thing to go with. But um, what do you guys think about? Because because Patrick, you've never played it before, right? This is no. your first time. What do you guys think about just sort of like the world and like even just the sense of humor that the game has? I think it's very odd, but still adorably funny in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like the the camera guy that keeps showing up seemingly randomly I, oh yeah I, I don't know why or when he shows up is it on a timer is that what that is no it's when you hit like specific moments in the game so okay. yeah it's like when you when you're like you've done something important like when you get your next you know character to join your party or when you beat a specific boss or just things like that when you when you do something monumentous okay. in the game. i wasn't sure because sometimes it would be like i walk past one rock in the middle of a uh, <laughs> the one area between and he just shows up. And happy happy village and he just shows up and yeah. Say fuzzy pickles and get your picture taken. <laughs> yeah. Those will um all the pictures he's taking will pop up at the uh the end of the game. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But it's the same picture every time, right? 
Yeah, and that's what's disappointing is like it's that they're not really photos of your game, right? It's not saving what you're doing. So like, if you took a picture of you while one of your characters was a ghost or something, you won't see that at the end. Oh. It's just like stock <laughs> pictures. Oh. It's it's supposed to look like it's, it's cute. Yeah, they 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 play during the credits all the all the pictures, but yeah, they're not that, which is unfortunate. They're not uh, <laughs> specific to your actual game, which kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose a little bit. But it's still silly. I know Patrick was saying right before we started recording that he finds that this game is putting him to sleep. Oh yeah. Uh, and but it's I find it um, kind of similar. I've, I've been playing it a lot, like in bed on the gamepad, mm-hmm. which is the perfect game for this because it's got like the L button acts as like your kind of do everything button, mm-hmm. so you can just play like the game one handed until you really get. I mean, you could play the whole game one handed if you wanted, I guess. Unless right, you had to get you- into your inventory, and, like that's basically. On the world map, if you need to do things, you kind of need both hands. But yeah. other than that, you can do almost everything with the L button and the D-pad. Yeah. That's true. You, you mentioned playing it on the gamepad. I tweeted this right the first day I played it. But I think this is the first turn-based RPG that has uh, gamepad-only play to come out on Wii U. And I think it, it really shows how perfect that genre is for the Wii U. I guess that's true, because not much, like, no turn-based RPGs have hit the Wii U Virtual Console yet, no, except for yet. Earthbound. And, and then, there's no new releases out yet, obviously. That's true. Well, Monster Hunter, well, that's not a turn-based no. game. Yeah, I guess I get what you're saying, yeah. Well, yeah, the, these older games are, like, perfect for this. Like, I, w- I would love to play um, some of these, yeah, these older RPGs and stuff. Uh, but even a newer app. one, like a like a recent Final Fantasy game would play really good on it, because it's turn-based. Yeah. It would just—it's yeah, not something you need to like pay super, super close attention to. No, you could just like click through. It's what the 3DS is perfect for as well. It's just yeah. an extension of that. Yeah. No, I agree. So, Patrick, especially because you you haven't played the game before, um, Earthbound. Like, are you surprised playing it at at the kind of game it is? Like, I'm always interested because you know you have Ness in Super Smash Brothers, and looking at screenshots, I mean, it just looks like this kind of cute like kitty game like are you surprised at the difficulty are you surprised i mean has anything surprised you about earthbound to this point probably the most surprising thing is that ness has even made it into smash brothers um looking at how small of a character he is compared um looking at the game he was just in what this one game and i guess mother one was that ness in that no i believe it's a different character it's just odd to me to see this character that appeared on just a Super and he was Nintendo in the first game. Smash Brothers. Yeah, he was. It's in not. The first I mean, one. I could see like if he made it into Melee because it's got a huge roster. But yeah, the first one has like what, like eight or twelve characters or something. Mm-hmm. But he was he was at least an unlockable character, right? Yeah, in the first one, he was the um, best character in the first one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I guess just that's just kind of maybe just to be a big Easter egg, you know, just to kind of surprise people. And I'm sure like Sakurai probably just loved him or something. Yeah. It is surprising. Though. Looking at that and seeing how he went from just this 2D sprite on a Super Nintendo to a fully 3D realized model was kind of interesting as well. Yeah, I was really surprised by the way he looks in the game, actually, because it he doesn't look that much like what I expect Ness to look at look like based in Smash Brothers. Like he doesn't. He looks like, like the little 3D 3D like Claymate clay version of Ness that they used on the Player's Guide and stuff, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't look like at all like I, I can't figure out how they got to the Smash Brothers model from what I've seen in Earthbound so far. <laughs> uh, speaking of the player's guide, have you guys been using it? Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, yeah, I found myself using it a couple times when I'm just like 
what the heck am I supposed to do? It's just, sometimes the game isn't really perfect about telling you where to go next. Or right. Sometimes there'll be like some really little thing that you have to do before the next thing that you think you're supposed to be doing now. I really wish they had just. I really wish they had just built it into the manual of the game. I don't like having to go to the browser to get to it. I wish I had a better iPad. My iPad's old and slow as crap. Otherwise, I would just <laughs> hold up on the iPad and be done with it. Yeah. That's what I ended up doing because it is, it's is—it's a very slow process. And because you have to like completely suspend the game and switch over to the browser, it's like, okay, I've looked at what I need to do. And then you do it and you're like, oh, wait, what was I supposed to do next? And then you're like spending three minutes switching over and reading a little paragraph of text what you need to do next. You know, switching back and then it does work well though. the 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 web view they have set up for it works very well on the gamepad. Oh yeah, it looks really nice on the gamepad, Mm -hmm. and it 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 does. And you can tell it was kind of like formatted for the gamepad. But it feels more like that two dollar price hike would be just would feel a little more justified if the game itself included it instead of just it being out there for you to look at. That's true. I, I think, think, that I think we're all move. I think we're all kind of of the agreement that that's what the two dollar price hike is for, kind of right. No, the two dollar price hike is there because they know they can do it. I don't. Yep. They think they they may say it's for the player's guide, but that's bullshit. Yeah, no, it's because they knew they could charge more for sure. Law of demand. <laughs> it's like the the Square Enix tax. Yeah, it, it's it a kind of a dick move if you ask me. I feel like it's a ballsy move considering this is a game that hasn't come out here specifically because they said it wouldn't sell. And so they made it even harder for it to sell. Like, it just – why put yeah. more obstacles in front of a game that you've already admitted is a, is a really tough sell to people? I guess because they knew regardless the people who were going to buy it would buy it at any price yeah, or at least relatively at any price. So they just figured they could, what, charge an extra $2 and – Make a little extra money, do you think, I guess. Do you think Nintendo has any asp- has any expectations here that this game will sell to anybody except for the cult Earthbound fan? Well, it's the number one seller right now in Europe on the eShop. Not North America, though. <laughs> but apparently it's climbing up the list. That, well, it was number two, I think. It was Donkey Kong had... Uh, and Donkey it. Kong's on sale for 30 cents, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know what their expectations are really with this. I mean, they, they must think it's going to be something bigger than just like appealing to all people who are already Earthbound fans. I mean, the fact that it was like highlighting the Nintendo Direct, they had that snazzy trailer, um, you know, like with that awesome, like kind of CG, like footage mixed with sprites from the game. I, that, I loved that trailer in the Nintendo Direct. And then, um, the going through the hassle of doing the player's guide stuff and, and everything like that. I, I think they're expecting more of this. Uh, than just just appealing to Earthbound fans. I think they're trying to blow it out. It even has a little spot on the uh, the Miiverse, mm-hmm. <laughs> on the War War Plaza now and everything. So, uh, do you think they put it there on purpose? I thought that was driven by popularity. I no, I think no, they control they, that. I think they select what goes there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so they did it on purpose to to give it some more exposure. So you we'll guys see. think this whole Earthbound releasing it was kind of in a preparation for possibly a Mother Four. I don't think so. No. I think Nintendo would be open to either bringing Mother 3 to North America or continuing the franchise with a Mother 4, but only only if Earthbound sells really, really well in North America. And I think I think this is Nintendo's way very much of saying, okay, you've been bitching and moaning for a really long time. We're about to find out for real. I, I think, honestly, this might be, quite frankly, this might be their way of justifying being done with it. Like, they can bring it out here, and then once and for all, they can be like, it sells like 
dog food. <laughs> like it sells like nothing. Yeah. So this this almost feels like a way of like it's a real put up and shut up moment for Earthbound fans. Well, yeah. I don't know, I don't know about Mother Four. I mean, they'd have to get Itoy to write it, and that's I think the biggest ox- obstacle to Mother Four. Well, and didn't he flat out say he didn't think there would ever be a mother? I four? think so. I mean, I, I think, I, I think I'm just sure a few, he did a few months ago. But yeah, like in April or something, he said that it would be like nearly impossible for them to make a fourth entry. I think just because of lack of of interest or seeming lack of interest. But yeah, who knows? I mean, if this goes well, um, I'd love to see if they see them bring Mother Three here. I, well, I think the only way we'll mother get three? Mother Three is if they manage to if 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 they're willing to just pay for the fans' translation and use it. The, the fan well, translator not gonna said he was money. willing to. He, the fan translator said he was willing to just give it to them. Yeah. Well, good, because that's. <laughs> I feel like that's the only way it's really going to happen because they, based on what they think about how Earthbound sells, which is certainly justified with the SNES, but we'll see about on Wii U. I mean, they're how, certainly not going to spend any money to localize it. How how correlated are the mother games? How how tied together are they in terms of they, narrative? They aren't. They're not. Um, the, I think the, the first one and the second one share the villain. I believe he's the same guy. Oh, okay. Gigas. I Gigas. Um, I remember reading correctly. Yeah, Earthbound slash Mother Two and Mother Three aren't really related at all. There's, I don't know. You don't have to play Earthbound to enjoy Mother Three or vice versa, obviously. Um, but there are some like allusions to Earthbound in Mother Three that if you've played Earthbound, like you'll appreciate. But it doesn't it doesn't take away from the game if you haven't played. I and mean, you know, there's no recurring characters or anything, but. Kind of like reasons. the cameos in Wreck-It Ralph, like they're there, and if you get them, they enhance it, and if you don't, that doesn't do anything. Exactly, or even the references in Earthbound, you know, like when they reference. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you get, none of you have gotten that far yet, but there's a. I love a Beatles reference that happens at one point, and it's so funny. Like if you get it, and I, I it cracks me up every single time. Scott, I, you've just, actually you've actually played the Virtual Console one all the, all the way through. I'm at the very end. Is have you found any changes from the Super NES version? No, none at all. I think um, I found one, but from that interview, one? Um, from that interview that the original localizer did with Chris Kohler this week, he mentions mm-hmm. the one thing they missed was like because they had to take a lot of like stuff out, like because Nintendo was very very conservative back then. So like in the graveyard, there's uh, like the cemetery, the, the gravestones have crosses on them, but apparently they missed one in the SNES version. But I looked through oh, all really? of I looked through all of the cemetery in three. I didn't see. A crucifix on any of them, so I think oh, they might have fixed, fixed that. But well, apart from something minute like that, no, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't noticed anything. I was hoping it would it would run a little smoother. Like you guys have probably noticed when there's like four or five enemies on yeah, the screen, it like it really kind of starts to chug. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I haven't um, even really gotten to the point where I would come across four or five enemies. Okay, yeah. You once you like get to some dungeons where there's a lot of stuff like happening at once. Um, you'll I'm, notice, li- like, I'm it, literally it maybe down. 25 to 35 minutes in. Like I'm just sort of setting out. So the game's to, still kicking yeah. your ass. <laughs> no, well, a little bit. It, I feel like the game doesn't kick your ass until you hit the part where you're fighting the street gang, the sharks. Yeah, yeah I'm mostly fighting, like, birds and snakes. Right? Unless yeah, you get unlucky bad. like me and whiff on the first fucking crow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I haven't really noticed any, any big changes or anything. But, yeah, yeah, yeah I love that game. It's so good. But um, I would urge anyone, you you three or anyone listening who's enjoying Earthbound right now and is curious about Mother 3, just go ahead and play the fan, fan translation. I mean, it, it's a different case than something like Super Nintendo where it's out there and you could you could get it legally. I mean, if Nintendo's not bringing it here, they're not bringing it here. So, I mean... It's just hard because I want to play it, like, on a console, like, on a handheld. I don't want to well, sit at my computer and play it. I played it twice. I played it once on a computer, yeah, with just a gamepad, like a 
PC controller that, and that kind of sucked. And then I actually played it on, um, <laughs> on homebrew on my Wii and that worked. That was actually really nice. Cause then I just used the Wii controller. Hmm. That was pretty nice. I, I used the Wii controller Wii. when I played it on my, uh, my MacBook. I just Bluetoothed it in. There's a program that oh, lets yeah. you interpret it. There you go. But, um, yeah, I, I might like Mother 3 more than Earthbound, actually. Mother 3 is really good. Really good. So, um, yeah, that's it. We should move on because I think we'll do a full Earthbound segment. <laughs> like, I th- I once we've all finished did. it. <laughs> that wasn't yeah, a full We Earthbound kind of did segment. do a full Earthbound segment. <laughs> I want to talk, like, story and spoilers yeah. and just crazy nonsense. And, yeah, just. Well, it's yeah. good. We don't have to talk all about this stuff when we do that. Yeah, exactly. We got all this stuff out of the way. <laughs> um, so. I don't know who wants to, who wants to go next. We all kind of have a lot. I don't, I don't really I don't know. I don't really need to talk about anything else. All I've really played besides Earthbound because I've been just trying to like get through it as quickly as possible is um like Animal Crossing. Well, I have two um, quick ones. Yeah, go ahead. I do those. Um so I played a good chunk of Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon like months ago I started playing it. Yeah. Uh and then I kind of took a break from it. I finished the Clockworks. Or I'm at the boss of the Clockworks movie. That's the no, third I mansion, it. right? I finished it, yeah. it's It's been the least interesting one so far. That's where I stalled at. I'm hoping the next mansion is a little bit better, because that the Clockworks was kind of boring, but I do really super enjoy the hell out of this game. It's just, it's Luigi's Mansion. It's, it's almost perfect. The only way it would be perfect is if it had dual analog controls, because I hate getting locked into a direction. I just, the first <coughs> one, you can kind of move through it a little quicker, because you can operate the vacuum and your movement separately. Yeah. But this one I'm constantly like fidgeting with my position on stuff. Yeah. But I do really it's so enjoy charming it. though, right? It's, it's so it's, good. It's so much fun. Just all the little like gags, like and this the sight gags and I just love that Luigi like goes around humming and whistling the music. Yeah, and I, even just simple stuff. Like I love the way he always kinda like pats his pockets looking for the DS every time he gets a call and yeah. stuff. Like I just it's it's so charming. I need to get that that uh that buzzer, that ringtone that he has. The I want ringtone? that I want that to get my to be my ringtone. I think someone. I I'm mean, sure it's someone available did it. As a ringtone, sure, right? Yeah. It'll take me ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty. It's pretty great. Um, and then the other game I've been playing a lot of is Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Uh, I never played the Wii version, and I had a bunch of Amazon credit saved up, so I got it for 3DS uh, to play on a trip to Los Angeles. And I actually didn't play it that much in Los Angeles, but I'm on the. I played it a bunch before. I'm on the factory now, and this game is fucking hard. It is hard, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine playing it on the Wii and having to do the uh, the the shake to roll. I think the way I play, I would probably like accidentally roll too often, and I would probably hate the game entirely. I you know, marathoned it's... it for review, so I I feel you. <laughs> yeah, the the shake to roll thing was a mistake. It's not that sensitive. I mean, you're not really rolling on accident, but it's still kind of a pain. There's always like that little bit of delay where you're like shaking the remote to try to make yourself do it. I mean, a button presses. Much better, I'm sure. Yeah, it's I, really I played hard. the um, I played the 3DS one a little bit on uh, like a demo unit at Target, and I don't know, like it doesn't, the controls don't feel great. And I remember Neil mentioned this during his review of the 3DS game as well. Like it doesn't feel like they really got the control scheme quite right on the 3DS version either. There's some weird like shoulder button chicanery that you have to go through to do all. I the actually moves you like that. Do. do you? If okay. you, you have to use the shoulder button to grab. And it's a little okay. un, it's a little unnatural, I guess, when you're picking up barrels. But when you're clinging on like the grass and like climbing around stuff, it's really great because you can just hold your finger on the top of the system and you don't have to worry about it really slipping off. Like if you were 
if you had if you had to hold a face button down and then you had to use another face button to jump from one grassy thing to another grassy thing, I could see that like messing up if you don't hit the grab button again quick enough. But with it on the shoulder, you can just keep it held down the whole time. You know, honestly, given this game's legacy, we're probably just lucky we didn't have to use the touchscreen to grab onto things. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I guess it's neat that there's all these extra levels, but they're almost impossible to get to because you have to be crazy good to even unlock them. Are you playing on the uh, new? Mode yeah, I'm playing on new easy uh, easy mode or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I'm okay. still finding it. I mean, it doesn't change the game at all. It just gives you more leeway. Yeah, like the minecart extra hearts and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you get three hearts or six when you've got Diddy, and then you have like the green balloon item that you can use, um, or you can use the uh, the crash guard. But the problem is, you have to be outside of the level to equip them. So if I get like halfway through a minecart level and I can like. I finally made it to the checkpoint and then I make it to the second part and I'm just like, there's this one part I can't get through. I need the crash guard. Guess what? You need to exit the level entirely, put the crash guard on, and then you have to hope you make it all the way back to that checkpoint without using up your crash guard. Hmm. That's a Ouch. pain in the ass. So I find myself not really using them that often unless I get really frustrated <laughs> with a level. I remember really, really enjoying the Wii version, um, but I also remember th after I finished it, and I give it a very positive review. I think it might be the highest review I've given on the site uh, to, to date, but I, I never went back to it after I finished it. I finished it, and I was like, <laughs> well, that I'm was done a blast. With game. Yeah. And, then I, and then I put it down, and I was like, I'll come back to that later, and never, never. It doesn't did. really make you want to come back unless you're like really got like an itch for like a hardcore platforming game, because it definitely is that. I think the only thing that saves it is that the levels do not have a timer. I think if these levels had a timer, I would probably not even play the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's I good. Really I really like it. It's just, it kind of crushes your soul a bit because it's so difficult. Yeah, it is. It's um... tons of extra lives, though. It's It's got that same philosophy as Mario now, where it's just like, we're going to give you so many lives that lives don't even really matter. And it, it, they always seem to do it, like, especially on the difficult levels, like, the really, when they, the ones they know you're going to die a lot, like, they'll have a lot of bananas that you always pick up automatically, or, like, they'll literally they'll be just have balloon. balloons throughout yeah. the stages that you, like, can't miss. You have to be kind of, sometimes you have to be kind of quick to get them, but they're not that hard to get. No, yeah. It was like that in the original Donkey Kong countries, though, as well, where they'd have those balloons placed yeah. right where you needed them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like I really, it, though. Good game. I really, I really I like that game, yeah. I don't know if I'll and, pick up Tropical Freeze. I might wait until it gets cheap or something. Or port ported to the three DS. <laughs> no, I wanna see the I wanna see his fur rendered individually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually really excited for Tropical Freeze. I can't wait. I think it, really... you know what, as based on this game, I, I I'm not upset that they're making more of it, but I like it's just a game where you're like, Okay, yeah, the first one's good, so I guess I'll play the second one, but it was not like the E three shocker that everyone wanted from Retro. No. No, it was not. <laughs> I mean, leading up to E3, it was all like, they're going to have a new IP, it's going to like be awesome, and then it's just another Donkey Kong game, which will be good, but yeah, it's disappointing. But... Another platformer? Yeah. We need more genres, please. I love platformers, yeah. but I want something else. Yeah, Nintend Nintendo's established they are the kings they're, of the 2D platformer. They're two <laughs> big games this year. They're, they're two big Wii U games, I guess, excluding Wind Waker, because that's... That's, I guess it's big, but it's not a new game. Um, their two big games are Donkey Kong Country and Mario, and they're both fucking platformers. Yeah. They're the kings of the 2D platformer, but that is a particularly empty kingdom. Exactly. Donkey Kong Country <laughs> should be... This Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze should be a support title in a year where there is not a major platformer coming out. Yeah. It should yeah. be 
summer 2014's game. Yeah. Right. Not, yeah, not holiday season. <laughs> yeah, not holiday 2013. Yeah, agreed. Um, or it should so have been did... summer 2013. It should have been out fucking six months ago when there was no games to play. <laughs> that would have been smart, yeah. Instead of Game and War, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Until the summer. Yes. Um, so what else did you have, Mike? Um, what else did I have? I think I had one more game. Well, you had Animal Crossing. I just had right? Animal Crossing, yeah. I've got Animal, Animal Crossing. I've got Animal Crossing. I'm in love with it. I'm not in love with Animal Crossing. I actually didn't even get it. Um, Amanda got it for her birthday from one of her friends. Uh, <laughs> she's been playing it. On, she's been playing it on my 3ds, which will become her 3ds once I eventually upgrade to an XL. Because I'm sure there's going to be a special Zelda XL this Christmas. Because why would there not be? Well, what? There's no Zelda games coming out for the 3ds this Christmas, are there? Yeah, uh, Link when Between Link Worlds. Has two come out. Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah, right. There's oh, definitely yeah. going to be a custom yeah. XL for that game. You're right, you're right, yeah. The so Animal Crossing XL is awesome. Yeah, one of my friends got it, and it's beautiful, but um, yeah, Amanda I lo- just I got the game, so she's the mayor, but I have a, I, I live in the village as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, think I'm, I think I might be done with Animal Crossing for now. I, I don't think I've picked it up in about a week, week and a half. Yeah, um, that's a bad I, sign. I, just, I, I go in, and... I, I, I open the game up and I load it up and then I start running around the town and like 30 seconds later I'm like no I'm not <laughs> I'm not feeling it yet I think I've gone in played for a minute and saved maybe twice in that week and a half stretch but I haven't spent any significant stretch of time in a good eight to ten days I, I think it's gonna be a thing where like in the winter sometime I'm gonna be like I wonder what my town looks like in the winter and yeah. then I'll fire it up and then I'll get hooked all over again but after and you know, remember I had it about two weeks before it came out, so I, I have had a little bit longer with the game, but still my my tolerance for Animal Crossing when I don't have that like day to day interaction with other residents of the same town. I still think Animal Crossing is best played with multiple people in the same town and kind of playing it in like in turns. The best part about Animal Crossing is loading up the game and seeing what other actual people have done in your town since you played last. And that doesn't happen unless you leave your town open for visitors all the time. Um, and the GameCube game is really the only one. Well, I suppose the Wii one to some extent too, mm-hmm. but the GameCube game is really the one that's designed that way. The 3DS and the yeah. DS games aren't so much. The GameCube one hooked. I mean, I've told it all. I've talked about it on this podcast a million times, but we set it up in my college apartment and we just, it became the who can wake up earliest and take all the fossils game. Exactly. Like I had it in, I had <laughs> it in a dorm, and I mean, it was my it was my GameCube in my game, but everyone on my like at least six other people on my floor were just like coming in my room at all hours of the day and night playing it, and I was totally happy with it because it was such so much fun. That's what it's for. Like it's really right. good for that. This one is good because I've got a pretty extensive 3DS friends list, so like we will just leave the gate open and people will just like wander in, and we'll do that. You know, we'll see that other people have their gates open, and we'll go wander into their towns and. But you do really have to go out of your way to make that. Yeah, yeah. you have to go out of your way to make it happen, which is kind of a bummer. But it's nice. At least 10% of the time that I do that, I come back to a network error message. Uh, That had to happen to me once. It was mid-session, though. Like, I was walking around my friend's town, and it just disconnected. Yeah, I've I've had that happen multiple times. I was at the Best Buy event for the E3 thing, and I was playing Animal Crossing local wireless with some people there. There was actually a lot of local wireless going on for Animal Crossing that day. Um, while we were waiting around to play, and like some of the guys there were convinced they could just close their 3DS in the middle of a multiplayer session and it wouldn't be a problem. And sure enough, like they closed their 3DS, and like five minutes later, everyone else got just got kicked out. 
I like um, took, I'm not, I'm not that huge into Animal but... Crossing now. So I like that Amanda's the mayor because she's obsessed with Animal Crossing. So she's I know she's gonna play it like every single day, and then I'm playing it. I've been playing it every day, but we've only had it for a week. But I'm only dropping in for like somewhere between twenty to maybe thirty minutes a day, like maybe forty five on a weekend. Yeah. And like and then you know I missed a couple days, but I'll just come and go, and I'm like I'm nowhere near like as far into the game as she is. But that's kind of like if I was the only one playing it. I don't think I would have the wherewithal to keep coming back like only two to three times a week. But since I know she's playing it all the time, I know stuff is still always changing, even if I'm not yeah. really pushing it forward always. That's the, I think that's that's the, the problem ideal. I'm running in. I think that's the problem I'm running into where I played it for maybe two weeks and I've done everything that's new with this entry in the Animal Crossing series. Um, and, but I've played all the other games, so there's nothing really enticing to draw me back in day after day. So I haven't picked it up in probably a week or two now. Yeah. It's a great Animal Crossing game, but no Animal Crossing game has hooked me like the GameCube one hooked me, and that has a lot less to do with the game itself and more to do with my life situation than versus now. So, Andy it's a good and I game, but, agreement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I guess that's it for you then, Mike. And that all I had really else to talk about was Animal Crossing too. I mean, I played the Street Pass games, but I don't know. I mean, have you guys dabbled in the new Street Pass games at all? I haven't even bought them yet. No, but I did go uh, when I was in Los Angeles. We went to Anime Expo, and I got a fucking shitload of Street Passes. It was awesome. <laughs> well, these so Street Pass awesome. games would be would be really bad for that because they all take a lot longer to get through now. Yeah, that's what I that's what I read. I'm not going to get them. I I get if I'm lucky, I get a Street Pass a week. I'll probably get them oh. right before PAX next year. And see, yeah. they're they're going to be so terrible for PAX because they're 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 all well. I don't like well, the flower you, you one. You don't but... have to play them correctly to clear out your street pass. Right? Well, no, yeah, you you could just ignore it. That's true. So I, mean, so I could just grab my puzzle pieces and then when I'm at my last set of ten, that's true. Day, when you just have like a, a down moment. moment. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when I was at Anime Expo, I mean, I wasn't even. I don't give a shit about Find Me anymore. It takes too long to go through in that kind yeah, of scenario. I, I, scenario. I'm go, I was going purely for puzzle pieces, and I could, you know, I could load, I could do all the puzzle pieces, and by the time I'd cleared them all out, there were like s- somewhere between like four and seven more people at my gate. So I just closed it for five more minutes, and I was back at ten. Yeah, yeah. I love, love, love that they they changed the system of getting hats. Though I don't know if you guys have, have seen this. Uh, I think it's just with the most recent update. I don't even think you have to buy the new games. Uh, but maybe you do, but there's like a little shop now, and so in each of the games you get tickets. So instead of getting hats from the game specifically, you get little like tickets that then you go to the gift shop and you use the tickets to buy hats. And every day there's new hats. So it's like one day it'll be classic consoles day, and so it's like you can buy an NES to put on your head or a Virtual Boy or something. Is that including Find Me? Uh, see, I don't, I don't think know. it I is. I, I think it's only the new games. I think so. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't played Find Me in forever. I think it I said only the new games when I booted it up and it oh, okay. ran through its little okay. tutorial. Yeah, so so you would need the new games then, um, or it's like classic Mario stuff, and it's like you can get an eight bit Mario to put on your head, or a star, or a piranha plant, or something. You know, like it's really it's really neat, and I, I love that that you can choose what you want to buy every day with those tickets. And then to get the tickets, you kind of have to do like little things in each game, so like little accomplishments in each game to get the tickets. So it's kind of a cool system. Um, if you're going to buy any of them, I would say Me Force and Monster Manor are the, the two best. The ghost one is looked great. the most interesting to me. I love Me Force. I mean, it's it's like playing R-Type with Mii's. It's, it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's actually kind of deep. It, it's a little short. There's only 12 levels. Um, 
but you like street pass high scores so you can like see if someone beat your high score on a level and then you can go back and play the level again and try to get a new high score and stuff like that and it's pretty good um so yeah that's it for them i don't really want to talk very much about them um Patrick, what what did you have to talk about that we haven't? I, I was just going to talk briefly about Dempamen too. I'm not. Oh, did, yeah. Have any of you guys played Dempamen before? No. 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 So there's not really a point of reference here, but um, the game, I, know you, I know you have to go to different different Wi-Fi spots, right? Yeah, which I, I drove me insane because I was sitting at home and I caught my first Dempamen by just you hold up the 3DS, it uses the AR stuff where you just catch Dempamen flying around your house. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't find any more. I had only grabbed two, I think. <laughs> So what I had to do, I had to go all the way out to my car, turn on my car radio, and then more <laughs> appeared. Um, I, it was the strangest thing to have to go out and just turn on my radio to get more <laughs> dampamen to finally appear. Um, Why your radio? I don't – no idea. I looked online how to catch more dampamen, and that's what someone said. Just go out to your car. <laughs> it must use the microphone to pick up like loud noises in the background or something. I don't think that's now. It, climb a tree in the front yard. How shake else would I know you were in your listening to well, the radio? I I can't catch any more in my house at all. Even I, if you turn I, the radio up in your house, if I turn off a TV, turn on a different radio, it won't pick up any more in my house. What? How does it know it's in your car? I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. I'm not buying this game. That's too freaky. <laughs> It's like this is an NSA plot, you guys. Don't do it. <laughs> um, but I, I'm not very far in the game. I'm maybe two hours. But I just fought this boss, and I thought this was the oddest thing. I uh, I immediately stopped after this because it just made me laugh too hard. It, it just shows how Japanese this game is. I'm fighting this large monkey, um, and he, he's in the middle of just beating me up. He's very strong and just <laughs> hitting me and killing me. And on his one turn, he he just uh, it says King Ook slapped his butt. And then my little Dempamen, their response was, got excited. <laughs> that sounds like something out I of Earthbound. <laughs> I thought it was the strangest thing, and I, I figured I might as well bring that up because so odd. But yeah, Dempamen 2, that's what you get to expect. People Are you enjoying it? I mean, it's, it's another RPG that's very slow moving. Well, not really slow moving. It's fast, but you don't get a lot done. Um, to fight that boss, I had to spend an hour grinding enemies to get a certain item to drop, so I could get that boss to appear. Oh jeez! So it's it's a lot of it's very good for sitting around watching TV and just kind of clicking the A button through the battles. Because but you, um, but you do have to go to the car and watch TV to get more characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fire up Netflix on your on your phone. Yeah, yeah. Because it came out of Japan, I think it's really designed for that, where you can just like say walk down a city street, and Dempamen will just be flying around everywhere. Um, the games, I think the subtitles like they came by wave, so I'm not sure if it's radio frequencies that it somehow detects. Mm. Oh, that's what it is. You should go to clear. like next time you go to the movies, you should take it with you and see if like any pop up during a movie. I'll do that. You're not supposed to use electronic devices during a film, Scott. It's very rude. (laughs) Yeah. All right, narc. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that that's uh, Dempamen too. I've also been playing Anti Chamber. It's this really cool game I picked up on the Steam Summer Sale. It was I think six bucks when I grabbed it. I don't want to say too much about it because it's really something you have to experience rather than uh, have explained to you. But um, basically, you're thrown into this very white environment where it's just hallways and everything's really kind of not right where you, say, turn a corner 
and then turn right back around and there's just a whole different hallway right behind you. It really messes with your head a lot. Um, I've heard this game compared really... to Portal. Yeah, I, I guess that'd be a good yeah, I heard comparison. That too. Um, pretty early on, you get this gun type mechanic where you can uh, suck up blocks and spit them back out in different locations to open doors and stuff like that. But I found myself after about an hour, I just had to stop because nothing was making sense anymore. Does it, um, does it feel like the, the game the, has? Does it feel like the game ha- have? Sorry. <clears throat> does it feel like the game has a set of rules that it follows, or is it all just seemingly very random? It definitely has a set of rules because you. Uh, come across the same stuff set up in the same situation over and over again. It was just laid out very, very smartly so that it felt random each and every time. Okay. So you can be going down the same pathway, but you go a different direction this time and it somehow ties you back into where you were before where you didn't see a pathway before. Um, It's really smart though, because if you ever get stuck, you can just hit escape, go back to the hub, where you start and you can select any room on the map that you previously visited. Um, and you, you just kind of keep expanding and growing from that point. It, the game does give you a timer at the beginning, right when you start, it says you have an hour and a half left. I, I won't spoil what happens when you reach the end of that timer, but it's, it's pretty good. Interesting. I want this again. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think <clears throat> you should play it, but I'm not sure if it's current price tag warrants the purchase. How much is it normally? I think it was like 14 or 15. Oh, okay. So I, I don't think it's worth that, but it's definitely something you should play for sure. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, check the uh, the talkback thread. Uh, Patrick will post his Steam login information so we can all take turns logging into his Steam account and playing yep. the anti-chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Yep, no problem. Uh, so Andy, what, what did you have for this week? Oh, let's see. Um... If you follow me on Twitter or or Facebook, I suppose for that matter, you've probably heard me uh, mention several times over the past few months that I, I've had it up to up to here, and by here I'm referencing my I guess my my forehead um, with the NCAA football franchise, my my oh, dear yeah. my dear franchise that I have um, bought every bought every single game every single year dating back to like 2003, and. Uh, I, after not playing that much of 12 or 13, uh, I had I had online dynasties that kind of petered out that didn't really gain a lot of traction, and I wasn't loving the offline dynasty mode the way I used to, uh, just because once you played once you played it online, it kind of feels like it's meant to be online. When you play it offline, it just kind of feels empty a little bit, mm-hmm. um, kind of like you know the differences between playing an online RPG and an offline RPG. It, it feels once you're used to online RPGs, offline RPGs are hard to go back to from what I've been told. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, like I, my my complaints with NCAA 13 were mostly that like my the, the menu systems which, and and the, the game makes you spend so much time in the menus like because the dynasty mode is all about recruiting and you have to go and yeah, list li- list list like 25 different fake high school kids and call them one by one and tell them that you know you're if you come to my school you're gonna be on TV a lot oh oh wait you don't care about TV well sorry I talked to you about that at all that was a waste <laughs> of my time let's talk about the facilities or let's talk about my coaching integrity oh let's go to the next fake high school kid and it's just over and over again and it's it's menus it's all menus and the infuriating thing is EA sports apparently really sucks at coding menus because there's like a whole lot of input lag like there like every time you click a button in the menu it takes like a a quarter of a second for the game to respond and it's it's stupid and on top of that they even extended the the 
online dynasty mode to a website. You could go into your recruiting on on the web, which is great. <coughs> except for the website menus are worse than the in-game menus. <laughs> it's it's a friggin' website. It's it's text on a website. How hard is this? So I I mean I've I've been bitching and moaning about this for a while, and I swore I would not buy NCAA 14 when it came out this year. So I've been playing NCAA Football 14. <laughs> I uh, did Cave. I picked it up on PS3 just this past week. Um, I'm not even sure what convinced me I should do it. I, I think I I don't know. I my you're in an abusive uh, relationship. I'm in a <laughs> yeah exactly. And a friend of mine was going to pick it up, and we're not we're not even going to play online. But I think if he had faith that that it would be an okay game, I decided to eventually take the plunge. And you know what? I'm actually I'm actually happy that I did. I, I'm happy to report that while EA Sports has not necessarily gotten better at making menus, they've reduced the amount of time one needs to spend in the menus to get the same um, experience with Dynasty mode. So now instead of, instead of having to call all of your fake high school students one by one to pitch them on like 10 different topics, all you have to do is allocate points to each of your prospective high, college recruits, and it will just automatically take care of like the, the leveling up of the student's interest in your school. And if there are specific parts of your school that appeal to that particular student, then it'll just give you bonus points. You don't have to even think about it at all. It just takes care of itself, which is and, and the amount of points you allocate to a recruit stay from week to week. So you, you don't even have to adjust each recruit every week. It actually it's the first time I've enjoyed the recruiting in a, in a college football game um, and probably ever since they made it part of the regular season. Recruiting used to be something that you would do between seasons in your dynasty. It was like a five week little mini game. And I always loved that. It was sort of this like change of pace from just playing the football game week to week. And then all of a sudden they made it part of the week weekly regime. So every time you played a game of football, Andy recruiting is 365 days a year. Yeah, but <laughs> this is a video game. I have to want to play it. I, I, I think it's crazy that they put all this recruiting shit in this game. First of all, I think I love college football. Like, I love college football about as much as you can love college football. But I find the whole obsession over the high school recruiting process kind of disgusting. Yeah, it really, really is. It's really weird that, like, grown men are spending this much time talking about the lives of 16-year-olds. <laughs> and, w- and when that 16-year-old inevitably changes his mind about wanting to come to the school that you cheer for... Oh, yeah. Like... You crush you him. Get, you crush him. You, you, you talk... You talk. There, um, there was a, a player that was going to commit to Nebraska to play quarterback. Uh, Josh Freeman. He actually plays quarterback for the Buccaneers now. Um, and he was going to come f- uh, play for, I think, Frank Solich. Um, and then Frank Solich got fired, and they hired Bill Callahan. Of course, that's the epic failure of Nebraska football. If you pay any attention to college football... You've heard the name Bill Callahan as an, as an insult at some point. Anyway, <laughs> Josh Freeman decided to decommit to Nebraska via text message to the coach. Um, and <laughs> he went to play for their rival one state to the south at Kansas State. So he played at he played against Nebraska every year for four years. And you just you you could not believe the nasty things people would say to and about him every time Nebraska played him year after year. <laughs> and he's like, dude, this is just a kid. And like I don't particularly like the kid because he was kind of an ass, but Still, like, <laughs> still, you I can't blame him. His coach left. You get recruited by the coach. You go where the coach goes. If the coach leaves, you can go somewhere else. Yeah. Anyway, so the point is that they actually made recruiting fun for the first time in a in a long time. And I actually, I can't think of the last time that after I advanced a week in my dynasty, I actually did the recruiting before I play the game. Usually, the recruiting was just a thing I like had to do 
before I would advance to get to the next week because it had to be done or the computer would just recruit automatically and very poorly for you. Um, but now I'm actually really enjoying do, doing the recruiting. It, it's, it's simple and it doesn't really lose any of what you had before in terms of complexity. It's just all taken care of for you, which is great because EA hasn't gotten any better at making menus. Um, <laughs> the, the whole, whole UI of the game still feels really just not well thought out. Like they have, they have a lot of a lot of menu screens where there's multiple ways to view the information, and the way you view it is by uh, drop down, and the drop down is activated by like holding L2. But a lot of times there's only two options in that drop down, so instead of just selecting between one or two of them, like like hitting L2 to switch between the two views, you still have to hold L2 and select the other option in the drop down. It just feels like they never bothered to get anybody who knows how to program a damn UI. Which is a shame. I just think they don't have the time. It's, it's a they shame because this the, fucker out every year. The football game is fine. It's always been good. Like I've never had a problem with the way the football game plays. Um, and it, I, I know they, they they always tout these specific changes from year to year. And this year does actually have a new a new physics engine, which is a pretty big deal. Um, but for the most part, the game hasn't drastically changed in a long time. But every year, whenever they announce the new football game, they don't spend any time talking about how the the UI is better or the dynasty mode has gotten simpler. They always talk about like the, the awareness on the field of the players or improved <laughs> running game. It's or always whatever. some it's, blast processing bullshit. It always it, they're fixing what ain't broke. Every year they, they they go out of their way to advertise that they're fixing the part of the game that's not really broken. And the part of the game that is like laughably broken, they never touch. Well, this year they actually touched it a little bit. And I'm happy that I bought the game. I'm not doing particularly well. I get worse at this game every year because it gets more realistic and I'm not that good at it. And every year it gets more <laughs> realistic, I get worse at it. I'm like sitting at like seven and three in my dynasty on the, on the default difficulty level with like two consecutive losses right now. So I, I don't know. I still, I still like it though. And I'm, I'm happy I bought it. I don't know if I'm going to play this year online or not. Um, I don't know of anybody who's planning on, on buying the PS3 version of the game. And even if they did every time I start an online dynasty, inevitably it, it never goes anywhere after like a week. So people are too busy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, it's, it's, I played um, 13 for a little bit and I toyed around with getting this one, but I know I'm not gonna get. I know I'm not gonna get my money out of it. So yeah, and that's why I hadn't planned on buying this one because I thought there wasn't a chance I would get any money out of it and or get, get my get my money out of it. So just just to be absolutely sure that I would get my money out of it, I bought it digitally. Well, now you can say you bought the last NCAA football game ever because next, next year, year it's old. just gonna be college football twenty fucking 2015 like the name oh. thing the name thing still bugs me this is ncaa 14 why is there no playoff system in it this year then i'm i'm gonna bet this is going next year is going to be espn college game day 2015 they've had they've, i wish they would just all they need to do is drop the year for one year and then the next year they can start using the proper year I, how yeah. did they get themselves in this situation where the where the sports games are all a year ahead of the it's like it's like how 2014 cars come out in september like of 2013 what's going wow. on that's not when it came out why are you calling it that well i've heard a lot of people say that this that the whole ncaa thing is going to make it so they're not going to make this game anymore and that's silly it's, no they're still making it's a it. huge seller i i think they're going to use the espn branding to, going forward i wouldn't be surprised they, they, they already have ESPN they have branding all they already over have it. yeah the branding is all over the game espn has a very strong college football brand um college game day it's every it's the most 
like associated news slash opinion show there is with college football. So why not? And you have the guys that are on the show as your play by play team. So why not just make that your game title? I, I would be kind of shocked if they didn't do that next year, but uh, yeah. anyway, ended up play 14. I'm, I'm happy. I bought it. I, I am a absolute hypocrite for saying I wouldn't buy it. I, I probably should have known better. Um, we'll see if I buy it next year when, they're clearly putting all their energy into a console that I probably won't own. Um, next year is, is, is a whole new ball game, so to speak, I guess. Har, 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 har. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I've been playing, I played a good few hours of Sonic in All-Stars Racing Transformed last weekend, which I hadn't really touched all that much since I got my, um, since, I, since I picked it up shortly after Wii U launch. I, I, I know a lot of people have spoken very highly of this game, and I was never quite able to... Um, enjoy it the way a lot of other people seem to be enjoying it and i think larger that boils down to just not being that good at it once again i i'm getting worse at video games as i get older apparently uh <laughs> but i but i um one of the things that i kind of hadn't really grasped onto was that you level up characters and the more you level up characters the more uh different like handlings of each cart you get um, which is great because it allows you to basically unlock cards that suit your playstyle better. And I think part of my problem was I was hopping from character to character because that's what you do in a kart racing game. But Sonic and All-Stars Racing seems to reward you for just sticking to the same kart for a, a good while and unlocking all of the different playstyles for that kart. So I focused on the crazy taxi dude, and I also figured out how to unlock characters, which surprisingly had eluded me even though I had already played through the first of the of the cups in the world tour i didn't realize that you just had to find them on the map and click a button um but <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun it, it's still i'm still not convinced this game handles as well as mario kart i know a lot of people think this is a better game than mario kart and i definitely think the world tour mode is a great change of pace from what mario karts deliver to us time and time again um i don't think this game handles as well as mario kart i don't like the idea that and maybe maybe I haven't played enough, but it doesn't seem like you can customize your cart at all in terms of appearance. Like it's just like you don't get to like a purple taxi and the crazy taxi guy. You just get a different handling taxi. Like maybe it turns better or goes faster, but it never gets like flaming flames on the side or something. Um, I kind of like in Mario Kart being able to pick what your cart looks like. I don't know. Um, I really feel like Mario Kart could learn a few things from Sonic, and Sonic could learn a few things from Mario Kart, and maybe. Maybe someday in the future, these two de developers will team up and make a really awesome card game um, instead of just like a couple of really, really good ones. But I'm really enjoying it. I, I'm going to go back to it, I think. I've been playing it mostly on off-TV mode. I really appreciate that it has that. Um, I, I I feel like that should be mandated across all Wii U titles at this point, but I know it won't be. Um, but yeah. I, it almost is. Almost everything has it. I really yeah. I really wish Lego City did. There's no good reason oh, for Lego City true. to not have it. Um, I really wish that Zombie U had it because I want to play through Zombie U again and I just don't use the TV as often as I, as I play. I think Zombie U is a game that integrated the gamepad though. It did, but... It, it's so essential to the game. But there's no way you... There's, there's no reason you couldn't do that with picture-in-picture picture if you really wanted to. And when they inevitably I ported that game to the 360 and PS3, which actually at this point may not happen, but I thought I thought it was inevitable for a, a few months there. Um, that's how I would assume they would do it. They would just do picture-in-picture picture and call it at that. That's essentially what they do in... Um, oh, I had an example lined up, and I've, I've lost it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Last of Us. In The Last of Us, you do a lot of go rifling through your backpack and crafting new items on the fly, and you do that in the game. Like There's like a menu overlay over the screen, but you still 
see what's happening around your main character as he does it. Um, and you can be attacked in the middle of it. So it's not that hard to pull off. They, they, they chose to use the second screen to make it feel like you were, the, the game hadn't really stopped while you were, you were doing it. I think it was a particularly good way to be immersive in Zombie U. But, I mean, I don't think that's worth sacrificing off TV play for. Personally. And, if, and if they had off TV play, I probably would have already played through Zombie U again. Yeah. If porting Zombie U to PS3 and 360 meant we got a sequel, I would sign off on that. Yeah. Right now. It's, it's really, it really sucks that it seems that game is DOA. And I, I think they were talking about this on RFN last week or maybe the week before where they were saying that the, the, the game will certainly become profitable eventually, assuming that they keep it on store shelves and on the and on the eShop and that maybe over time they'll change their tune but the the possibility that what I think Scott and I both would agree to be the best game on the platform right now not getting a sequel mm-hmm. is just ugh makes me sick it kills me i know it sucks um i i hate to go back to NCAA 14 but Andy i don't think you talked at all about the mini game where you like go meet with instructors and convince them to raise kids grades so they can play um what's that like um, I wish I had a really good joke to follow up on your excellent <laughs> joke, but unfortunately I don't. Um, That's it's okay. great. <laughs> can I, uh, you press the shoulder button? Is there, is there a just... game where you can sell your memorabilia for money? <laughs> oh, I are there wish. any fake there, are, there would be the great if there was like an NCAA sanctioned minigame, because this is the last year that they're doing NCAA. They really, there's no reason not to throw them under the bridge this time. Patch it in. I kind of feel like a lot of Penn State fans will buy this game simply because there are no sanctions in video game land. (laughs) (laughs) Although Penn State is like one in nine in my season right now. Like they are miserable. So I'm curious. And if you look at their like skill ratings, they're not that bad. So clearly there's something going on. There's some kind of computerized bias against Penn State in the game. There must be. I'm playing them next. So we'll see if we'll see if I can break my two game losing streak against a team that's one and eight or one and nine. Um, can I say uh, going back to instead of lay for real for a second, I, I, I am super thrilled that they included the tutorial modes this time. Um, so like Madden for years has had this like mini camp mode where you go through and do all of these like very specific tutorials for like passing and running and different kinds of passing and different kinds of running and uh, defense and, and playing defensive line and playing the secondary. And it's a great way to actually figure out how to play the game. Um, and for the first time, I'm not sure how long they actually included that in NCAA again. And it ties into the ultimate team mode, which I haven't really looked at at all, but you get rewards for getting gold medals in each of these tutorials, which is friggin' fantastic, especially because I play with Nebraska, who has a very um, talented running quarterback. But I've, ne- but I've been playing this game for three years, and this is his last year, and I've never been able to run with him before because I've never quite understood how the option game works. And one of the things NCAA 14 does that's fantastic if you have a running quarterback is it actually tells you which defensive player to look at to make your read on the option play, which may not mean anything to you guys. I know maybe it will to Mike, <laughs> but it allows you to actually figure out how to run the option because before it was kind of a guessing it was kind of a guessing game to figure out which defensive player you wanted to like look at to figure out if you should keep the ball or pitch the ball. And now they actually tell you very specifically this is the guy that you need to watch 
and it makes running the options so much easier. And I'm playing this, these tutorial modes over and over again, and I'm actually getting good at like the the uh, the, the read option game. And oh, my, you're making me want to buy this game, Andy. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to get like hundred yard games with my quarterback, which is what actually happens with this kid on the field. But I've never been able to do that with an NCAA football game before because the option game was always a mystery to me. And now they actually the whole just... game is a mystery to me. Like I understand <laughs> the rules of football, and I can watch a football game understand exactly what is going on completely but i don't really understand play calling you might like, i understand like i understand the very basics of play calling so when i get into the into the ncaa video game i don't know enough like i know enough to watch football i don't know enough to play fake football i'm not sure that they really help you with trying to figure out which plays to call but they but the tutorial mode will tell you exactly like how to execute the plays that are there which is yeah and that's the other problem is the the freaking control scheme of this game is like a nightmare to learn it, it's not easy so I, complicated it's 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 nice that i've been playing for so long because it's it effectively it's been the, an evolution the controls for me, change but. like on the fly like when you're doing this thing all of the buttons do this but when you're doing this other thing that happens two seconds later every button has a different command yeah yeah it's crazy it used to be back in the early days, like the turbo button would literally change if you were playing offense or defense, which is crazy. They don't even have a turbo button anymore. Well, actually, no, that's not entirely true. They got rid of the turbo button a couple years ago, and now they brought it back. But you have a, it's kind of like the turbo mode from NBA Jam back in the day, where like you have a bar that expires. So it's like it's a, it's an acceleration burst, and then eventually the burst goes away. So I don't know. I can you still press the button to make the stadium really loud? That was always my favorite part. Yeah, your your defensive players like raise their raise their arms up and try to get the, the <laughs> that's crowd the best part it. of the whole game. It's especially fun if you do that when you're at when you're in an opposing uh, stadium because then the crowd gets really really quiet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. NCAA football. You 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 should at least try it. Try the the. the I download the demo every year, and then I'm like, that's about as much NCAA football as I need this if year. You can, if you can come across a, a, a disc copy of the game, play the tutorial mode for a little while. Because I think that might be what convinces you that you might actually play it more. The tutorial mode helps you learn what to do in the game. Maybe I'll pick it up after the season's over, and I'm like, I need my football fix, and it's on sale. There you go. Well, if you do that, and you get it on PS3, uh, we should do an online dynasty. If I get it, I will get it on PS3, because I don't pay for Xbox Live. Yeah, me neither. Screw that. <laughs> PS Plus for life. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's What We've Been Playing. Mike, Patrick, Andy, thank you for being here. Yep. Uh, if anyone out there has questions or comments about the games we talked about, feel free to post in the talkback thread or email us at connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. And uh, that'll do it. So we'll see you guys next time. Thank yep, you. See you. Adios. Bye. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget to send your listener mail questions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com, and if you've got a chance, please rate and review the show on iTunes.